1: It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8. We head into this uh, next chapter and we continue to see Solomon going back and forth, realizing his under the sun moments have caused him to see things in the wrong vein. Then jumping up and seeing the way he used to see it and trying to draw conclusions out of the two. And he makes a lot of statements that are interesting and some that are uh, things he should have listened to himself and and taken care of things and done what should have been done. But he just didn't always do those things. What we see here is uh, a lot of uh, things that we're to do. We're to seek wisdom. We're to submit to authority. We're to see limitations. Study uh, God's providence and then savor the life that God has given us. Those are the kind of things that he tackles from uh, the viewpoint of God in one sense and under the sun in another sense. And of course we know that under the sun is without God. And he he, you can't have it both ways. And uh, I, I've said uh, when I've taught in in the uh, Christian school and the high schools and in the Bible colleges, uh, King uh, Saul was king, no heart. You know, just in the beginning, he started out, but the minute he became king, it got to his head, and he just had no heart for God at all. David, with all his issues, God said he was a man after his own heart. King, whole heart, 100% whole heart. But what I call Solomon, when you read through his life in 1 Kings and, uh, and th- those historical books, and you see the book of Proverbs, and then you see the book of Ecclesiastes, king half-heart, half-hearted. So what he says is, you need to seek wisdom. Wisdom. Look what it says in verse number one. Who is as the wise man, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. Now, we're going to look at two things here, the learning of wisdom and the look of wisdom. And here's something very, very interesting to me, because when we look at this, we see that wisdom is something that we need in our life, but it's got to be godly wisdom, It's got to be wisdom that is from above, not wisdom that is from beneath. In James chapter number three, we read these verses. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, a good lifestyle, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We are to learn wisdom. Seek it out. Well, when he wrote the book of Proverbs as a much younger person, he started out saying the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. Boy, I like that. The right kind of wisdom, godly wisdom, a wise man will hear. He'll pick up the ear and listen to everything God has to say, and he'll increase his learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, To understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. That's the introduction to the book of Proverbs. And then he starts out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to know some things. You want to learn and discern and have insight then you need to have the fear of the lord note that it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge however all we have to do is take a look at some other verses and you will read in the book of psalms psalm 111 10, the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom the fear of the lord begins that wisdom and a good understanding of all they that do his commandments Then we get to Proverbs chapter number nine, we read the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So not only is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge, which we now learn, now we have understanding, now it becomes the wisdom to do and use it correctly. And then it says in Proverbs chapter number 15 and verse number 33, that the fear of of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. The word instruction carries the idea of discipline. Now when I say that, uh, there's a, there's a two pronged thing of that. You think discipline, you think the negative of being corrected. And disciplined. And that is true. That is part of wisdom, being able to be corrected when you're not correct in what you know. But it's also a positive aspect of the word of instruction and knowledge. For instance, if you are a professor at a college and you teach a certain subject, someone that uh, is knowledgeable of uh, how the uh, academia works would meet the person say, oh, you're a professor at this college. What is your academic discipline? Meaning, what did you discipline yourself in or learn? You, you made a, it's an academic discipline. It, so that could be English, history, science, math, you know, those things, or maybe the discipline was music, maybe the discipline was in the arts, maybe the discipline was in computers, but there is a discipline that which you set down and you disciplined yourself through courses to learn so that you would have the ability to have total comprehension and understanding and learning and would be able to teach truth. And that's what we need today so that we're not teaching error and we're certainly not teaching history that is not true. And we find ourselves rewriting history and knocking things out that are there that are very important because we think we can just knock it out of the way. Wisdom is very, very important. Living in a world that we live in without fearing God will give us no wisdom. Living in a world without the knowledge of God will not give us any wisdom. Living without the instruction of God will not give us any wisdom. And we need God's wisdom. So we see that living in a realm of wisdom is fearing God, number one, when you look at verse number one and verse seven. It is then also not just fearing God but knowing God and to know him in a unique way to know him in an intimate way we need to take our page there from the Apostle Paul where he went through a list of things he said if you think you're somebody let me tell you what I was in the flesh and he listed all these things that he was but then he said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Gnosko, an intimate knowledge. It has everything to do, do with not just knowledge of reading, not just knowledge of instruction. But this is experiential knowledge. I want to know him by the experience of the power of his resurrection and the experience of the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death living wisely means we are to be fearing God we're to be knowing God we are to be instructed in God and interestingly enough when we read through these verses that deal with the fear of the Lord that also has the word wisdom in it and there's uh, quite a, there's not a lot there's a uh, I think in the Proverbs there's three verses in Isaiah I believe there's two verses And then in Psalm, there's one verse, and in Job, there's one verse where the fear of the Lord is coupled with the word wisdom. But listen to this one. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. If you want to understand God, if you want to have an understanding of God you're going to have to have a knowledge of his holiness that he is holy and of course we know that he's a thrice holy God holy 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 Lord God Almighty so when we take a look at this we must see that we are going to be able to get where we get because of the fear of the Lord. Having an honor and respect, but also a fear of understanding who he is. A wise person wants to be able to have these things. Knowledge. To know the facts. Understanding. To then understand those facts. Wisdom. To know what to do with those facts. Discernment. To be able by all of that to see things ahead of the place to discern that's not a good place to go that's not a good thought to entertain that's not true that you would sit there and if someone was preaching error you go ding 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 the holy spirit goes off and you know because you're discerning and discretion it then the discernment leads you to being discreet you do not jump head feet head first headlong into the horrible things that are out there and my friend In it comes to God's wisdom if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him you need to seek out wisdom you need to look for God's wisdom the, the, the learning of wisdom who is as the wise man and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Solomon says, who is it? Who are the people that are wise? It, in his estimation, it didn't matter if they were wise or not. It just all happens the same under the sun. But uh, And the right wisdom with not living under the sun, godly wisdom, makes all the difference. Because he said, if you lack it, I'll give it to you liberally. And upbraideth not. I will give it to you if you lack it. And my friend, that's in the context of the trials of life. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor st- I'm sorry, that's Psalm 1. It says, uh, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. But let him what? Let patience work. Let it operate. And operate in faith. But if you lack the wisdom, then you ask of God, and he gives it liberally. Thank God for that. We see that we are to learn wisdom. But then we see the look of wisdom. A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. When we look at uh, this kind of thing, we, we see some interesting things. Uh, it changes the face. Well, I, I wonder if we would think about this. God's wisdom, would it change? I, let me go back to when I was a teenager and I first gotten saved. And uh, I can remember my pastor saying many, many times, if you get in the Bible and read it on a daily basis and you'll stay in the book, it'll change the look on your face if you're struggling if you're having problems if it looks like you've eaten dill pickles and lemons and persimmons he said get in the book if you're having situations get in the book and he said it'll change the look on your face You get into the book and you get knowledge and understanding and then say, God, give me the wisdom I need to live for you and not under the sun, it can change the look on your face. You get the kind of wisdom that Solomon dropped down to where he was doing things under the sun, it'll change the look on your face. It made him a hard person to to deal with when he was king. Uh, Things changed as the things that God said would happen happened as he married wives that were of other religions and places he knew he wasn't supposed to go, and including Pharaoh's daughter, and they turned his heart just like God said it would. We see that there is a boldness when you have the right kind of wisdom. There's a boldness to your face. In fact, it says in the book of Proverbs as in water, face answereth to faiths. so the heart of man. To man, you say, "What in the world does that mean?" Well, have you ever been at a still stream that was crystal clear? I've been by many of them, and you look down and you see your face reflected back. Well, as in water, your face answers back to you with your face or reflects your face. So a person's heart goes from man. To the man. Your heart is a testament of the good or the bad. We need to seek wisdom. Now in verses 2 through 7 he says not only are you to seek wisdom but you're to submit to authority. Now we're going to see some things here and they do go along with New Testament teachings about uh, our submitting to authority. But there is one caveat and one caveat only. And that is when the things that the authorities would say put us in direct, total uh, disagreement with them and God. Uh, We ought to obey God rather than man. Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of things that have nothing to do that we may not like with where we stand and how we live. We may not like it, but we're to be part of it. So he said, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight, stand not in an evil thing, for he that doeth whatsoever he pleases, where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? You're going to go to the king and say, what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? (laughs) Whoso keepeth the commandments shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Now, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, If I keep the commandments that I'm supposed to keep, the things that the government says I'm supposed to do, if I do what is right, then uh, I don't have to worry about an evil thing. Now, obviously, if they tell me that uh, I have to do something that is completely and totally against the Word of God, then it's going to put me against them, and there's going to be problems. But, if I uh, don't rock the boat on things that, you know, I can complain about taxes, but hey, I, I, I've been paying them for a long, long, long time. Don't have to like them, but there they are. There's nothing much else you can do. We are to submit. He said, I counsel thee. Now, submission is just not something that we're being taught today. Submission is not something that we readily accept today. We we want to exalt ourselves instead of bring ourselves to the place where we will submit. Therefore, we lose to what the Bible says when it says submit. You know, we're having wives submitting to husbands and servants submitting, and then all of you be submission to one to another. How about this one? Submit to, unto God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Rank under him uh, and resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Romans chapter 13, verse number 1, "'Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, "'for there's no power but of God.'" He's the one that ordained it, so the powers better be careful because they're going to answer to God. He raises them up. He'll take them down. When he's done using them, they'll come down. "'For there's no power of God. "'The powers that be are ordained of God. "'Whosoever therefore resisteth the power "'resisteth the ordinance of God, "'and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. "'For rulers are not a terror to good works.'" but to the evil. That's what they're supposed to be anyhow. Wilt thou not then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. That's why in a country like ours, where power transfers every two years in uh, the uh, the, uh, uh, Senate and every six years in the House of Representatives and every four years in the uh, presidential races, when we look at these things, it's important that we have a vote that we vote. Why? Because we're trying to vote for the power that will not be a terror uh, to the evil, but will be that which will be good. In fact, our founding fathers, uh, when they wrote the Constitution, it's small. When you look at it on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, it's something like 17, 18 pages. It's not very long compared to most. But their thought process was this. They said, it doesn't matter how many laws we put in the Constitution. All it takes is evil men to do something around it or to do something illegal. He said the way to keep it sound and the way to keep it going is elect good and in their early days, godly people. That was what they said. Now, he gives cautions and he says, be not hasty to go out of his sight. Do not be quick to depart from being loyal uh, to what you're supposed to do. Don't be quick to do that. He said, stand not in an evil thing. Don't join with others to uh, overthrow and have a conspiracy. And all those things, if you remember in the Esther, there was a conspiracy against the king. And it was overheard by Mordecai, who then went and said something. And it was actually certified in the Chronicles of the Kings that Mordecai saved the king's life by being loyal. Now, here's a guy that's a Jew that's in a foreign land and is under a government, and yet he was loyal to the king. Now, guess what? God used it the night that Haman was coming to see the king to hang... uh, mordecai on the uh gallows because he doesn't like mordecai he's he doesn't like that he won't bow down to him and all this and as he's walking down the hall the king couldn't sleep he gets up and he's reading the book of the chronicles of the king and sees where mordecai had saved his life so he said who's out there and says it's it's haman he brings him in and says hey what should i do to the person the king wants to honor and he goes straight to his head it's gotta be me And so he gives him these wonderful things to do, and the king says, Great, go do all of that to Mordecai the Jew. Oh, man, Haman plunged into despair. And I mean, it just really upset him to know him. Yeah, don't get into the conspiracy against a thing. Listen, friend, I wouldn't get into a conspiracy against a pastor in a church that's preaching the word and doing what's right. There people that like to cut down this, cut down that because they cut it straight and preach it straight, and they try to get people in it. Man, these ears are not garbage cans. I'm not listening. I'm not giving into it. I'm not going to do it. Not gonna do it. He said, where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Hey, listen, the king's in control. And what are you going to say to him? There's not any things that you can say. So you just might as well leave it alone. You, You can't go against that at all. Let God, listen, there are a lot of things you can turn over to God and leave it there and everything will be far better shape. Therefore, he ends up saying, to uh, under this realm he says because to every purpose there is time and judgment therefore the misery of man is great upon him for he knoweth not which shall he be for who can tell him when it shall be and he's going to change gears from where he is to dealing with not only submission but dealing with this hard things of limitations seeing limitations. He says, you, you've got to understand there's a purpose. There's a reason why things have come and are like they are. And God does have a reason. There is a reason why things are like they are. And my friend, mark it down. And you understand this, that right now, and I do this all the time. Uh, I, I know what I want in my country, and I know who I want to, to run it. But every time there's an election and I see how things go, I look no matter what part of the art I look to the person and their leadership and what they have to work with that whether they'll get things in or not and I look from this viewpoint and the viewpoint of one world government one world economy and the end times Jerusalem and Israel and all the end times factor what will this bring because many are financially leading us one way that'll bring us to a one growth others are socially leading us another way but both are leading us towards that day and our stock market hiccups and the world does somewhere around the world the stock market hiccups and ours does we're linked already economically but we will be united economically one day with a one world currency we, I look to see how close are we and every year and every election it gets a little more clear that we're closer than ever before. We have things in place that were never in place since 1948 which we needed to have Israel come back as a nation in order for us to get to the place where the rapture could occur and we don't have that in place anymore. That happened in 1948. Now we're sitting here waiting to see everything move together, to see when God will pull his church out. To every purpose there is a time and judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him. He makes it very clear God determines everything. That's not good news for people who love to rebel. That's just not good news. We see who can tell him when it shall be. Uh, Who are you going to tell God when he should do this and do that and why he should raise up somebody? I remember somebody, honest to goodness, at an election many years ago, looked at me and said, I don't understand how this person got in. Does God know what he's doing? And I stepped back just in case lightning struck. of course God knows what he's doing. He raises them up and he puts them down. He just tells us, as long as we don't be told to go against God, we can live in it. Jesus lived under the Roman Empire. He was fine. Others have lived in worse places than we have, and they've been fine. They have served the Lord gladly. Father, help us to seek wisdom and to submit to authority. We have three more things that we'll deal with in this chapter, but may we do so with a great joy and love in our heart, and we'll thank you for it. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton. Have an absolutely awesome week.
0: Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do word, it thrills through and through.
1: I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths, the radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.